Welcome back to another episode. Today we're flying solo in this unscripted, off-the-record, mental disaster. Uh, I'm ranting about my experience with COVID mandates in New Orleans, interactions with the homeless in respect to my upcoming Voices project, what the Hurricane Ida damage looked like in Louisiana, how my book is coming along, and why it's good to get new shoes. I hope you'll stick around. I'm your host, Christian Ashleman, and this is Bed Letter. If you enjoy the show, the best way to show your support is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. You'll be kept up to date on all new episode releases, as well as columns I write on a wide range of topics. It's all over there. Another great way to help out is by sharing this episode with someone you know who you think might find it interesting. One share really does go a long way. The links to the Substack, my Twitter profile, and everything else can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you guys enjoy. it has been we're trying uh we're trying a little something different for today um i know we've done this a bit in the past here and there sharing thoughts solo um but i kind of wanted to wanted to kind of get back to that a little bit i really enjoy the act of recording um there's something cathartic to me about talking into the mic and, and getting all in my thoughts and verbalizing them to myself where nobody can interrupt me. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're trying a little something different, a little something, uh, a little something totally off script, you know, totally subjectless, flowing, free-flowing, just kind of rolling with it. Um, call it lazy, maybe there's a little bit of that in there, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe a little audio journal, a little audio uh, mind dump, you know. But this week's been nuts. This week's been been quite the week. Lots going on. Um as you may have known or, or not know, uh, coming up soon, the next Voices Project is going to be dropping. That's going to be pretty soon here, next couple of days. It might already be out. I might actually flip this around and release this next Voices Project before this one, before this uh, thing that's floating into your ears right now. So it might already be out by the time you hear this. But uh, it's it's been a really good project. It's been oh, it's been a, a more than really good. It's been absolutely amazing um, for that project. What I've done, and you might have already listened to it, like I said. But what I've done is gone to um, down to New Orleans. spent spent a couple of days in New Orleans. Drove down there from Georgia, uh, from North Georgia. It was about a I don't know what was it, maybe a seven seven hour drive, roughly. 
Um, took off and headed down kind of in a south, you know, southwestern direction till I got down to uh, Mobile, Alabama. And let me tell you, Mobile is pretty cool. Mobile is pretty, pretty cool. I don't know if it's mobile, mobile, mobile. I don't know. Whatever. Who cares? It's Alabama. <laughs> no. Um, no, it's cool though. You know, Alabama gets a bad rap. Or maybe it's a, maybe a good rap. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you live there and you love it. I don't know. I don't like the football team. And to me, that's all I know about Alabama is Nick Saban and, and Alabama ranked number one all the time, always, no matter what, regardless of what they do. So, you know, not, not so great in my book, but you know, this trip changed that a little bit. I mean, I know New Orleans isn't in Alabama, but, uh, driving through there was a pretty good experience. It's a beautiful place. Lots of greenery similar to Georgia. Lots of nice people. Um, but it's a good place. And uh, Mobile is pretty cool. It's got, it's like a big little city. It's not very, I mean, it's not very big at all, to be honest. But it's, it's got, it's like one of those cities that's like, it's a city. But it really only has like two big buildings. Two really tall, like skyscraper type buildings. And the rest are pretty regular, similar in height. Uh, buildings and it kind of has this like feel that it's hasn't quite tipped over the edge of being like a big city you know like you know like like new orleans a very big city lots of tall structures there lots of tall buildings or or any other main you know main capital city like atlanta or uh, miami or something like that so it's kind of got this this vibe that's pretty nice um i was kind of spending some time walking around the the just the the public, you know, the old historical area, some of the, you know, the place where they've got the bars and the restaurants and, and all that's where, you know, the nightlife, I guess you could say. Ate a really good burger um, and watched some football, did some, did some riding inside of that restaurant and then just walked around and, and, you know, by myself wallowed in my own pity for a little while. No, I'm just kidding. It was good though. It was good. It was cool to be in mobile. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I headed out of there and I gotta say one thing, one thing about Alabama, one thing that just drives me nuts when you, when you're, and it doesn't really drive me that nuts. It kind of makes me laugh actually. When you, you know, you're driving through cities, you're driving through States and you see, you see the little state on the sign, you know, it says like buckle up or this, you know, whatever. There's all kinds of signs that have the the picture of the state, like the shape of the state on the sign, right? Road signs. Every sign that has Alabama on it, it's just like this weird trapezoid shape, which is what Alabama looks like. And then in the bottom left corner, it's like it's got a little set of nuts. <laughs> it, it's got this little set of nuts Alabama has this little two-part thing at the very bottom, and it, but the way they have it on the signs, it almost looks like two little circles or something. It just, I don't know, it makes me laugh. Maybe I'm just a perv, but it makes me laugh. makes me chuckle every time I see it. But Alabama's great. It was great. It was great driving through there. It was a good time. Um, got through there, went over to New Orleans, and, you know, you kind of dip into Mississippi for just a second. Then you get over to New Orleans, and uh, New Orleans is a beautiful city awesome everything in new orleans looks like it's been there forever like it like it was never not there everything looks overgrown everything looks you know the bases of buildings are just like they're not there's not like clean lines everything is like has a either a fine line of like 
that southern humidity mold growing on it, or it has like, you know, vines or some sort of foliage or shrubbery. And and then it has, or or there's just trash. I mean, a lot of times there's just garbage too. So there's like everything looks like it's been there since the dawn of man. Um, but that's kind of it. Kind of adds to the whole thing, right? That kind of adds to the whole atmosphere of the place. It's a beautiful city, and and the architecture is phenomenal. I absolutely loved walking around there, checking out the French Quarter. Spent most of my time in the French Quarter. Um, lots of people were walking around there. I've, I, from what I heard, not near as many as, as normal, but, uh, at some points it felt like there was quite a bit, quite a few people walking around. Um, I enjoyed some, some good old jambalaya while I was down there and that was delicious. That definitely hit different. That was, that was so good. I've had jambalaya at a bar one other time at a, at a bar in, in Salt Lake, or I guess it was in Sandy, Utah, a little bit south of Salt Lake. And it was good. Don't get me wrong, but like jambalaya in New Orleans, you can't go wrong there. You just can't go wrong there. So had some of that, enjoyed that. Really good stuff. Definitely would recommend it. I wanted to go to some other places. Um, I kept coming into the, running into this issue where a lot of the businesses and buildings and stuff in New Orleans, you know, they want they want you to show they want you to show that vaccination card every time you walk in some an indoor place and well, no, I shouldn't say they all do because they definitely all didn't. I, I, I the first cafe I went into, well, the first cafe I went into asked for my vaccination card and um so I I didn't go in there but uh and and I am vaccinated, but I, I didn't I just didn't want to show my card. Um and I wasn't even sure if I had my card on me. It was just a whole thing. But I also just didn't if it's weird. I don't know. It's just something that I haven't I just don't agree with. I don't really agree with having to, to show proof of that in order to walk through a door that is a completely ventilated setting. I mean it's it's New Orleans. It's not like these a lot of these cafes are are open settings, right? They're they're the door. There's there's very good airflow throughout the whole building. There's massive doorways and archways that are that are neither that kind of mesh the inside with the outside. Um, open windows, open everything, um, and so you know they want you to to wear the mask and do all this stuff walking in and. You know, I'm obviously not, I'm not really anti-anything, but I'm definitely, uh, I don't know. I just don't agree with, I don't agree with having to prove something that I've already done. I don't agree with having to do that just to walk into a business where, you know, they're going to want me to be masked and everything. But the second I sit down, the second I sit down at a table, I'm I'm allowed to just pop that mask off and COVID apparently doesn't care and you know, the rules go out the window. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, I can just sit there without the mask on and, and breathe and cough and do whatever and eat my food. And, you know, that doesn't matter because I'm sitting down. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't, none of it adds up. None of it adds up to me. Um, you know, I, I get that there's arguments out there for it, against it. And, you know, I think everybody is entitled to their own decision, but, um, uh, I don't know. None. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. Having to prove so show a little passport of some health thing 
just to walk through a door or to walk through an archway into a place where you're, you know, trying to give a business money in an exchange of goods doesn't, it just doesn't sit well with me, I guess. Um, and, and, and part of the reason, you know, there, you know, I have my own reasons, but one of the biggest things is there's just like such, to me, it just is all, it's just all silly. It just doesn't, none of it is consistent. None of it, none of it is, is, is ruled or, or governed or enforced consistently. Right. Which if you're going to make, to me, the way I see it, if you're going to make, um, policy, if you're going to enact some kind of, of, uh, regulations about something. The primary objective of those regulations or that policy or whatever it is you're trying to enforce should be something that you innately believe will work, right? I mean, there, there, there should, it would be unethical um, to enforce things with no intention of, of, of having them actually work, right? This is, this can be discussed in this, this exact principle can actually be applied to things like Afghanistan and other things where it's like, it's, it's actually, you know, it's, it's unethical to engage in something with no desire, especially a war or a, a fight or a battle or something where massive resources are being spent, human lives are being put on the line with no, with no real apparent goal of winning. Right. And so and this kind of goes back to the same type of the same this policy, right? This policy of, of of having to prove your your status, right? With the card, with the vaccine passport. There should be when, when this is when this is enacted, it should be it's it's supposedly enacted with the goal that it's going to work, right? There's going to be some benefit. And the reality of it is, and, and 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 while it might sound good on the surface, you know, in on, in the bill, in the 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 write up that gets passed and voted on, or or voted into by the or enforced enacted by the governor, um, or the mayor, or you know whoever is 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 putting this in place, it might look good on paper. Oftentimes, it does look good on paper. It might sound good on paper. But what what's written on paper and what's actually implemented in real life in reality are are often two completely different things, two completely different things, and so, and and we see that we see that with this exact thing. You know, I, I personally this was New Orleans was the first place I'd been where where I was seeing these signs of, um, you know, show us your vaccine passport if you want to enter, right? Show us that or a negative test, and so. We have this rule, right? Every business needs to have this, and it gets enacted. It gets it gets put out into the public. Now the businesses have to do it, right? So all the businesses they're all owned by someone, and that someone is going and taking a piece of paper that has this policy written all in it, and they're slapping it on their window, their business, their you know their place of business. They're putting it on their window, so you can see it on the outside. And then you approach the business and, you know, the, the business owner, after they slap that on the window, then has two options, right? They either enforce it or they don't. They either wipe, you know, wipe their hands and say, well, I slapped it on my window when the, when the people come around, when the enforcers, if that's even a thing, if they're even out there, um, come around and make sure that the business is following the policy, 
you know, they'll, they'll see, Hey, we've got this in our window, right? We're, we're, we've got this in our window. So maybe the, maybe that business owner, they say, well, we're not really going to check. We just, we just, uh, put it in the window. We don't have the, some places literally don't have the employees to spare to have one of them sitting, standing at the front to check passports every single time someone walks in. Like they literally don't have the manpower. And so, um, some places aren't going to do it. Right. I went to a, a cafe while I was there to get some coffee and to sit down and bust out my laptop and do a little writing. And they didn't have that. They didn't have anybody. They had it in the window. They had the policy paper in the window. Uh, and you could just walk in and, and you don't need, you, you, I mean, mask on, off, didn't matter. You could, the employee behind the counter had her mask down under her chin. Nobody cared. I mean, it was fine. We were all, everyone was happy and, and doing just fine. Um, and they're, you know, we're, we're conducting business, right? We're ordering food, we're using debit and credit cards and cash and whatever else. Um, and nobody was checking. Nobody was asking people's medical history. Nobody was asking for vaccine passports. Nobody was asking for negative tests. Nobody was asking for any of that. And everything was fine. And contrast that with one block over, in the French Quarter is this other cafe I went to where they have this guy at the front who says, you know, vaccine passport, can you pull that out and show it to me? Or, or and he also said, or a picture of it, right? Or a picture of the passport um, or negative tests. And just seeing this, and there's a lot of businesses in New Orleans. There's a lot of businesses in every, every city that has this kind of policy. And so seeing this play out in real time it's in with just the juxtaposition of these two enforcements, right? It's just, I don't know. It's silly because now you have, I mean, even when this person is asking me for my vaccine passport, right? I, I can, or a picture of it, right? First of all, vaccine passports are handwritten cards. It, it wouldn't be hard to fabricate one. It really wouldn't. I'm not saying I have. But it, I'm just saying it wouldn't be hard, right? They're not like these super official documents. It's a, it's a handwritten card, um, and and uh, and and what's more is a picture of it. I mean, I could Google a picture of somebody else's vaccine passport card, probably show that to him, and probably get in just fine. It's not like that guy at the front of a cafe in the middle of the French Quarter in New Orleans is a doctor or has the time to argue about it or really cares because once I sit down at the table, I'm going to be, I'm going to be taking the mask off to eat. And not only that, whether or not, I mean, there's been plenty of, of things we've seen where people that actually have the vaccination can carry the, you know, can carry COVID-19. So there could be who I mean the only the only one that actually would really um, prove whether or not they have it is if there was a negative test that day, and even if it was that day or the day before, they could walk into the French Quarter and get it from somebody else. So there's really no way. There's literally no way to have this policy achieve what it's really wanting to achieve, which is to. I guess in some ways a, a zero COVID policy, or at least in other ways, help slow the spread or or stop the spread or whatever whatever you want to whatever you want to call it there. But that's just not going to happen. 
It's not going to work. The policy is not going to work. You have all these business owners, thousands of business owners, and they're all going to have their own beliefs. They're not robots, right? They're not robots. They're not, they're not all the same. It's not the same business owner for all these little businesses and these, that own these restaurants and cafes and places. You know, they, they have their own ideas about, about freedom. They have their own ideas about what they want to do. They have their own ideas about and beliefs and values about how to, um, how to conduct business what what they 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 also have their own ideas about what manpower they and these aren't even ideas they have they they have their own issues with what the manpower that they have the 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 people that they're able to allot to check and and enforce these policies right it's not like there's a whole slew of government workers that are out there being the ones enforcing them it's the employees within the business businesses that are oftentimes already being put under stress because they are understaffed right and so what you have is just complete inconsistency across the board. Thousands and thousands of businesses, complete inconsistency with the enforcement of this mandate of showing these cards, these vaccination cards. And so to me, it just all seems like signaling. To me, it all just seems like, you know, we can say that we're trying to help. We can say this, we can say that. But at the end of the day, we come back to the original point, which is when you enact a policy, when you enact a, a an objective, you, you know, you, the goal is to be successful in that policy, be successful in that objective, find, you know, have some impact, something that is going to be measured and be able to be successful, right? Going to be able to have a measured success, I guess you could say. And that is just impossible, with this with this type of policy it is just impossible and you know you might say that well it's for the for the businesses that are doing it the businesses that are checking that's great maybe they're checking that's fine right whatever they're they're checking they're making sure everybody that enters is going to is having is showing their passports and we've already kind of underlined the the other things that kind of how it you're still not going to be able to guarantee that that person isn't carrying covid inside um but for the businesses that are enacting the policy it almost the thing is 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 that this policy isn't enacted it isn't a voluntary thing right the mayor didn't isn't saying you know hey if you're if you're a business that wants to do this great you can do it if you don't want to worry about it don't no it's it's a you know as the signs all say per the you know directive from from new orleans we are required to do this right and like i said a lot of people are not doing it because you're just not going to be able to get that that kind of um following it's just not going to happen there's way too many businesses way too that are way too understaffed to do that um this isn't this isn't a you know the the writing of the policy is not a voluntary thing so to say well there's some businesses that for the businesses that are doing it it works for them well that's 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 sure for them right but the 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 lettering the language of the policy is not like that the language of the policy is a mandate the language of the policy is a requirement for the businesses to do this 
And so that objective that they have set for themselves is impossible to reach. It is impossible to obtain, which is one of the most fundamental reasons why it just is illogical to enforce this and, and to, to, to act like this type of policy can even work um, or have, an, have, any, have any kind of impact other than pissing people off, having other kind of, any other kind of impact than having tourists arrive in town and want to go around. I mean, if you forget your vaccination card, what are you supposed to do? I mean, I guess you can go to a CVS or wherever they're doing um, COVID tests and try to get a negative test and walk around or maybe Google a picture of somebody else's vaccination card or something. But I mean, there's, it's just, you're just putting barricades in front of people for something that is, I mean, if I'm just being honest, it's something that's becoming endemic, something that is becoming endemic, something that we are going to have to learn to live with, whether we want to or not. That doesn't mean I'm going to go lick doorknobs, right? That doesn't mean I'm going to go touch elevator buttons and, and lick my fingers or sneeze on my neighbor, right? There's lots of hygienic things that have improved through COVID. Um, you know, I like seeing that there's more hand sanitizer around and, and more uh, 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 directives to wash your hands better and, and stuff like that. But enforcements, mandates, things like this, they're not going to work. All they're going to do is set terrible expectations, rotten expectations that are signaling. They're just signaling. They're just virtue signaling expectations that, that aren't, again, not going to live up to the policies. And so I, I've been rambling about this for a minute, but I just – I don't know. I just – it just is frustrating to me. Um and it was a little interesting to actually see it and actually be asked for the card and to actually be like, well, hold on. Like, maybe I just sound like a, you know, overly righteous bastard or something, but like, I don't want to have to whip out a card or show you my medical history and do all this garbage that I don't agree with. Um, when I know I'm fine, when I know, you know, I'm vaccinated, if the vaccine works, I should be fine, right? I should be fine to walk in and do this and that. I, and if you're an employee and you've been vaccinated or even if you're not, that's the risk that you're taking. There's risk. I mean, walking through the French Quarter is a risk in and of itself. There's so much, there's a million different smells and people and you know, drunkards and, and, you know, there's all kinds of things happening there. I mean, you, you take a risk every time you get in your damn car and drive half a block down the street. But you still put your seatbelt on, right? I mean, you mitigate the risk as much as you can, but you also, you also, I mean, <laughs> you do the best you can, but you can't, you can't force people to do these ridiculous types of things because at the end of the day the policy doesn't work it doesn't work to say you know the war on drugs was a was a is a policy that is mandated on people and we'll, we see how well that worked right how that's working now you know we see prohibition in the old you know back in forever i don't even know the years of that right now but off the top of my head but you know prohibition see how well that worked right see how well that worked We've lost a lot of people to alcohol. We've lost a lot of people, lots of families broken up, lots of lots of overdoses and people who have killed themselves from drinking themselves to death 
and and all kinds of things. I guarantee you that alcohol has caused more deaths and destruction in society than COVID-19 ever has or will. We don't outlaw alcohol. No, in fact, we do the opposite. We have big commercials during the Super Bowl and during every other commercial break. You know, it's just the priorities. It's just ridiculous at this point. I mean, we're this many years into COVID and this is still, this is this is how we're deciding we want to address address it still. When, when in reality, we're just going to have to do our best to, you know, sanitize our hands and, and be clean. But we're going to have to live with it and we're going to have to accept that risk. And we're going to have to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to be a little healthier. Maybe I should watch what I eat a little better. Maybe I should actually get a little physical exercise. Maybe I should uh, care about my mental health and all these things just a little bit more. Right? Because that's the only way forward. That's the only way forward. The only way to actually fight this stuff is by taking some personal responsibility and, and, and improving your own health. I mean, I don't know. What do I know, right? What do I know? I'm just some guy. Some guy. Talking into a mic. Just some guy. But my time in my time in New Orleans was awesome. Talked to a lot of people. Chatted with a lot of people. Chatted with a lot of homeless people. That was kind of the whole objective of going down there was to... Uh, originally, I was going down there to talk with people who owned houses, who were in the area that was the most affected, to see kind of what their perspective was and if they you know how they weathered the storm how they evacuated what what types of property damage was done to them and um, because of hurricane ida what i ended up finding out after i talked to uh chris who's going to be in the first episode might have already listened to it like i said but uh what i found out was that was that chris wasn't able to get out of the storm chris was in the storm you know, he was a homeless man in the storm. And I, it blows my mind. He was in the actual storm outside, no shelter. And, um, you know, you'll hear, you hear his story in the first part one of the, uh, of the voices project for hurricane Ida. But, uh, after I talked to him, I just couldn't get that image out of my head of, of, of homeless people just like actually in the, in the storm, right? You think, oh, get inside, get inside. Yeah, a lot of times they did. They weren't able to. They 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 had nowhere to go, right? Places lock up their doors, close their businesses to get out of there. They either evacuate or they barricaded themselves in. So you have all these you have all these homeless people um, that that are outside that are weathering this shit. You know, they're they're in the they're in it. And so I just couldn't get that out of my head. I, and so I kind of pivoted a little bit on my objective there and started talking to a lot of homeless people and it was so cool. I mean, it, it's, it was just something else. You just don't, people don't talk to homeless people. You don't, you don't think about them. You, you know, you see them on the side of the road with their cardboard signs or, or sleeping under this or that, or with their tents and tarps and things. And you just think, man, that's unfortunate. And, and then you move along or maybe you give them a buck or two or maybe, you know, whatever, say hi, wave, smile, whatever. But you don't really think about them that much. You really, definitely very few people actually talk to them. And, and, and very few people actually get close to them, right? Um, and understandably so. I mean, a lot of times, you know, homeless people tend to, to be a little scary to people. I know to me, it was a big thing to, to have to overcome. 
um, to kind of get close to them and, and talk to them. And, and, and when I say close, I mean close, like side by side. Um, when you're, rec- when I'm recording people, I'm not, I'm not standing six feet away, right? I, I mean, I'm, I'm by them and it's really interesting. It's really interesting to be close to them, to see them, really see them as people, see them as people that are struggling and, and to hear them and to hear them and, and to realize that they are just human. And so it was, it was an amazing, amazing experience. And, um, you know, I have a lot to say about it. It's probably going to be something that I bring up again multiple times just because uh, of how impactful it was. But to just, man, it's something, it, I mean, when you're, when you're, when you're right there, right next to them and you're seeing their teeth and you're seeing the sores that they have, sometimes open sores, and you're seeing and you're smelling and you're, and I don't want to be crass, right? I mean, these are great people, but when you're seeing all this stuff up close and you're, you're sitting with it, you're not running away, you're, you're listening to it. It, 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 it can't do anything but change you. It can't do anything but humble you a little bit and, and, and inspire a little gratitude about why, how you should be grateful for the things you have and how, how, you know, sort of, privileged and pampered we all kind of are um both you know if 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 you have any any money or a house if if you just have a place to hang your hat if you if you have people that love you if you're surrounded you know if you have money if you have anything if you have a car um if you have almost anything to complain about you, you know a lot of times you're better off than these people you know, if you have all the teeth in your face, if you have, in, and they're they're for the most part white, <laughs> you know, they're not rotting out. Then, then you know, you have something mo- more, something more than these a lot of these people did. And so, there, there's a there's a lot of things that you can learn from these people. There's a lot of things that you can learn from these people, and and these people need help. They're not just pe- they're not just a bunch of druggies and you know a lot of them are struggling with some form of addiction to something and um and but that's not all of them. And even when they are, you know, somebody a human being is not the summation of their addiction. A human being is not the summation of their follies, right? Um a human being is is a lot more than that. It's they're 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 an entire entity, right? An entire grouping of potential right and and you can't discount that you can't discount that um i think a lot of people look at homeless the homeless people as people who are who are forever stuck impossible to to see any change within those people and to some degree there might be you know you know i won't discount that it's hard once you're kind of set in your ways there it's difficult to change but i would i would never say it's impossible to change and you know and, and to 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 think of that change as someone who is homeless like all of a sudden shaving their beard and like getting a job and and you know all of these things and all of a sudden just being this like totally stand up person of society that's that's kind of ridiculous like change can be so small and still be so impactful to these people right i mean they can um even just the act of getting any kind of job 
can be impactful. Even even just the act of 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 improving their hygiene to any degree can be impactful. Any any kind of change to help improve or make use of that underlying innate potential um, can be impactful to these people, and 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 they deserve the credit and the ability and the 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 basic most basic level of trust to be able to attempt that. And so, um, I don't know, I just learned a lot from them. I learned a lot from seeing them, sitting with them, watching them. And it really kind of made me, I was uncomfortable for a lot of it. I was wildly uncomfortable, wildly uncomfortable. Like you don't even know, (laughs) like wildly uncomfortable at some points. But I I sat with that uncomfortability. I didn't scream about it. I didn't screech about it. I, I sat with it and I... And I actually got curious about it. And that's one of the reasons I kind of pivoted in the first place was I was like, when something makes me uncomfortable, when something makes me um, feel dirty or disgusted or whatever, you know, anything that makes me have a reaction, um, I, I want to understand why. Why am I having that reaction? What is the cause? What What is the thing that's that's spurring that? Why do I think what I think? Why do I, why am I reacting in that way? And uh, I really had to do that with this project. I really, really, really had to do that. I really had to look at myself and, and, and ask those questions. Why am I, why do I feel, feel this way? Why do I feel uncomfortable? What is it about these situations that's making me my skin kind of crawl a little bit? And I talk about some of these things in the episodes and the Voices Project. Um, and I, and I hope you'll listen to them and really listen to, you know, I know it's sometimes it's kind of hard to hear what they're saying, but, you know, it's there, there's good things in there. There's really there's really great just just listening to these people and allowing them to have a space to talk um, and to tell their stories about their struggles is, is important in and of itself. I believe that there's value there, which is kind of the whole reason why I'm doing the project in the first place. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I mean, it was a good time. It was a really good time. I really liked I really liked Louisiana. I really liked. Um, I really enjoyed New Orleans. It's definitely a place I'm going to go back to soon. Uh, hopefully it's a little bit more cleaned up. You know, it's always good to, I don't know. I mean, it's, this is, I was there just barely post, post hurricane. So there's stuff all over the place. There's piles of trash everywhere. The unfortunate thing is really just how dirty it was. Um, and I don't mean like people, I, I, I mean like just trash, like garbage, um, and like I said, I know it was post-hurricane, but that being said, there was a lot of unnecessary trash. And I think part of that comes from when it comes to cleaning up a hurricane, uh, big piles of garbage get put on the streets, on the sides of the streets, right? Big piles of garbage. Sometimes those piles are branches and, um, you know, the the stems of palm trees and and the shafts of of different parts of the tree and, and branches and leaves and all that stuff. Sometimes it's big garbage bags of broken of, of other trash. Sometimes it's broken parts of buildings and roofs and all that stuff, right? So there's lots of different types of trash piles. But regardless of the type of trash pile, um, when someone is walking along the side of the street and they have a, a can of something in their hand and they finish that can of whatever it is, um, if there's a big pile of garbage to their left that's, that's you know, if it's smaller garbage, a lot of times the people, the, the 
the the cleanup will put them all in black garbage bags, right? Big old pile of black garbage bags. Um, and so a lot of times it's, you know, the, the piles in and of themselves are somewhat kept together, right? Big branches, big black garbage bag, stuff like that. But when you see a big pile of garbage, it's easy to just want to throw your small piece of trash on top of that. And so what you see is a lot of a lot of loose trash piled in with these other bigger piles. And what what happens then is obviously wind picks up and other smaller storms pass through and, and it kind of blows that looser that that smaller and looser trash around. So you end up just having a lot of junk. Piles of junk and then little pieces of junk floating around and you know, garbage bags and empty empty freaking what is it, those big gas station styrofoam cups big gulps just kind of flying all over the place and empty beer cans and i mean all kinds of garbage just shit everywhere right and so that was definitely you know i don't i'm kind of i get really peeved when people litter i unneed like needlessly especially when there's garbage cans all over the place um it really bugs me when people just like needlessly litter i mean there's never like an appropriate time to litter but um it just it just it just bugs me. I remember one point I was walking through New Orleans and there was this guy laying on a bench, a park bench, and he had an he had a can in his hand, and this bench was like a a round bench, like it wrapped around a tree, and um, in a park, and he just like threw the can over the backside of the bench, and it like hit the trunk of the tree and fell down to the bottom, where the where the bottom of the trunk went into the ground. And he just, you know, just left him there. That was it. It was just like, that was his garbage. And it was just like, it was just, I don't know. It's just unfortunate. It's just unfortunate to see that level of uncaring, just, I don't know, I guess just disrespect and laziness. Um, that's something that I think is, is uh, I don't know, it's, it's a little in, in, inexcusable to, to do something like that, I think. When there's trash cans all over the place, you can just hold your thing for a few more minutes and, and, and find garbage can. So that, you know, stop, stop littering. <laughs> don't litter even cigarette butts. Like don't, I drives me nuts seeing like people flick cigarette butts. Cause those suckers don't, they don't deteriorate. Like they, they stick around, they stick around for a long damn time. And so, um, yeah, it's not hard to like push the cigarette butt out and then put it in a garbage can. Right gum spit your spit your gum out in the garbage right this it's not hard it's really not hard so anyway um but you know i digress i'll step off my high horse <laughs> no i'm just kidding that's why i'm on here right that's why i'm talking into the mic climbing right up on my horse and then onto another but uh you know new orleans is great it was great. I won't forget it. It was lovely. It was absolutely lovely. Um, there's a lot of soul in that city. There's a lot of soul. A lot of a lot of good people. A lot of friendly people. Um, a lot of happy people. A lot of good music. A lot of good food. I would highly recommend it. I would highly recommend it. Not during hurricane season, but either before or after. You gotta go. You gotta get down there and check it out. But uh, I'll tell you what, driving around out on the suburbs of New Orleans, kind of out toward Raceland and uh, kind of, you know, out that direction, a little western, a little west of New Orleans, there was, um, 
Uh, what was it? There was there was just it was just interesting seeing the path of the hurricane, right? Because you just see all this building damage. You see all these. Everything is a skeleton. Everything's a skeleton. You know, everything is. You know, you have normally you see billboards and they have a board on them, but everything is a skeleton. The board is gone. There's just there's just like the crisscrossing bars where the board would be like plastered up against, right? I even saw this McDonald's sign and I'll post this picture um, on my sub stack so you can check it out. But um, there's like this, there's Miss McDonald's that has all the, the yellow M like blown off and it's just like these crisscrossing bars forming an M for the McDonald's sign and, and that, that type of thing for so many different signs, so many different like gas stations that have that plastic uh, backlit uh, texture around the their their the overhanging you know pavilion that goes over the uh, pumps a lot of those just blown right off and it's just crisscrossing bars it's just everything's like a skeleton of it of itself and so it's kind of eerie seeing that but i mean they're driving out towards raceland there was there was not a there was not an upright pole or tree everything was and i'm not saying that everything was like falling down flat but everything was like Every pole was tilted like 45 degrees or like 50, 60, you know, and nothing, nothing was like up and down 90 degree angle with the ground. The trees, I mean, there's tons of trees. It's just like pickup sticks, right? Like everything was just blown around and, and, and some pine trees that are just split. And it's just, you could tell something serious has, had come through there, right? You can, you can just tell. So, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers with those people because that is not easy. And I can't imagine, I mean, for these people, it's home, right? And so I can't imagine what it must be like understanding and knowing that like another one of these hurricanes can happen next year, the year after, and every year. Um, obviously, Ida is like the second most powerful since well, the most powerful since Hurricane Katrina, right? I mean, they had winds of one... I mean, Katrina got to like 170, 174 wind speed. Um, this one got to 149, I believe. I can't even imagine. 149 degree winds. That's got to be just, just a nightmare. Just a, an absolute nightmare. But, you know, that's life and that's home. That's home. Everywhere's got everywhere's got something, right? In Utah, we had blizzards and storms and negative temperatures and stuff like that. And Georgia, storms and and heat and humidity and I don't know what what does what does Georgia have that's a natural disaster? <laughs> I don't know bugs, but you know, lots of places in the South have that. But everywhere's got something. Everywhere's got something. But that is that is a big something. I I gotta say, hurricanes are a big something, and they're no joke. They are no joke. That is for sure. That is for sure. But what else? What else has been going on this week? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Been focusing on the book a lot. Lots of lots of work on the book. Really getting excited about that. Um, currently, the the book is sitting at probably I th what was I at today? I was writing. It's like 225, 225 pages, um, which I know isn't a measure of, of like value or anything like that. But, you know, it's it's content, right? Content that will be edited down a bit, but, you know, it's content. It's, it's the story. And so um, really making good progress on that. I'm so excited about that. I, I, I My goal is to get it done by the end of the year. 
Um, right now it's October, what, 7th, 8th, something like that. I don't even know. It's been a long day. <laughs> but uh, my goal is to kind of have that the, the first draft done by the end of the year. You know, obviously not like published and selling by the end of the year. That's crazy. But uh, my first draft is to have it, it – my first my first draft. My, my goal is to have the first draft done by the end of the year. Um, so I can start the editing process, which will probably take some time, and then begin the real pain in the ass, which is going to be trying to figure out how to get it published. Trying to get get more get as many no's as I can, right? I'll find the yes eventually, but um, that'll be a whole animal in and of itself, I'm sure. But the book's going well. The book's going well. I feel like I'm communicating well in it, telling the story that I want to tell. Um, I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. I think it'll be, I don't know, refreshing for some people. It's very raw. Um, you know, it's definitely not your typical whatever, I don't know, self-help book. If you've ever listened to or read something like, you know, Mark Manson's The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck or, um, you know, any any books like that that are kind of like these these rogue philosophy type books, they're great books. I love them, but it, it's not like that. Uh, you know, it's not like down that vein. Um, and while I think it would be kind of fun to write a book like that someday, this is definitely not like that. This is a story. Um, and this is a story that's told creatively with kind of a with 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 a with a purpose in mind, with a goal in mind, a lesson in mind, but you know, a story all the same, which I, I think all good stories have some kind of underlying lesson or takeaway, right? Otherwise, what's the point of telling it? But uh, no, I'm definitely excited about it. I, I've I've been enjoying writing it. There's been ups and downs while writing it. There's been laughing and crying and and addressing things of, of the self and, and engaging with difficult things and learning new things about myself and new new. All kinds of just everything. So, you know, if, if there's one thing I can say, if you're ever thinking about writing a book or, or, or not, just writing in general something, you know, anything, a journal, uh, whatever, do it. It's good. It's good stuff. It's, it is therapeutic. It is cathartic. It's, it's uh, mental vomit. Sometimes you gotta get that out, right? You gotta, you gotta just upchuck it. You gotta get it out. Otherwise, it builds and it builds and it builds, and it's you know nobody wants that. Nobody wants to bear the weight of that. Um, and if you don't do that, if you don't get that upchuck, that mental vomit out, somebody's gonna have to clean it up eventually. And uh, you know they might not like you so much for that. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, just, to, you know, ex- find find what you got to do to express yourself. Find what you got to do to express yourself. Um, what else? What else we got going on? Today I spent way too much money on a new pair of shoes. That was kind of fun, <laughs> I guess. I don't really like spending money, but um, that was good. That was good. I've been dealing with these ankle problems with, with uh, kind of Achilles tendon, Achilles heel type stuff in the back of my my feet um and i wasn't sure what was causing it it was just sore it would be so sore after i was done running and so i had to really take a break i could walk just fine but it was just when i'd run 
using that tendon a lot. And, and then it kind of started climbing up the insides of my calves to the point where, you know, it almost, it almost felt like it was turning into shin splints. And I don't know if you've had shin splints, but shin splints suck. Oh my gosh, they suck. They're the worst. They hurt so bad. Um, I don't wish shin splints on anybody ever, especially the shin splints that develop into like really bad versions that is no fun. But uh, I didn't want them to develop into that. I love running. It's a very important part of my day. It's a very important part of my routine. Um, really helps me. I mean, not only mentally. Running helps me just so much. It, mentally, it helps me be clear. It helps me get clear with myself. It helps me um, reassess myself. It helps me clear brain fog, you know, refocus and and kind of... I don't know, just like readdress everything, right? It just kind of flushes out the trash, the garbage of the day. Really just like, like, like just grinds it out for me um, mentally. But so that's great. But, uh, you know, a big, a big reason why, and, and the whole reason I started running is because I have these massive back problems. Um, I have degenerative disc disease. And um, so I get back pain extremely easy. It's not hard for my lower back to start you know, get inflamed and start hurting really bad. So I have to have good posture and, you know, all these different things. And I've really been working on, working hard to improve that condition and get my back somewhere where it's, I'm able to do things again, right? I mean, I spent the last year and a half not being able to do many different things that I enjoy, many different physical things that I enjoy. For a long time, I wasn't able to go hiking or run or do anything like that. Snowboarding, I didn't do any of that last winter, um, you know, so stuff like that. And so, um, it's been really important for me to take that seriously, that, that charge of, of readdressing my health and, and helping my back get to a point where it is healthier and is, you know, I don't have to be in pain and I don't have to live with pain. I can, you know, continue to operate in my life. And there's a lot of things that I've done to help that, right? I've eaten better. I've lost a ton of weight, do, you know, to help that. I've, I've uh, improved my posture and stuff. But one of the big things is running. And I know that sounds weird, running, helping your back, what the hell. But no, like it really does. It really does. Like I, <laughs> it, it, it just loosens, it loosens up my lower back muscles, it loosens up my hips, it loosens up my my thighs and, and the fronts of my hips. Um core upper back even i mean everything every it's a full body experience right running is and so um you know so i use it a lot i use it as a way to help keep that those back muscles loose to help strengthen up that lower back strengthen up that core um, and it works oh my gosh does it work i mean i if i stop running for like a for for a few days even like even sometimes like two days if i don't run jog whatever my back starts hurting like a bitch i mean it it gets tight it seizes up you know my, my i instantly notice if i if i sink in posture a little bit it starts hurting so i uh i notice and so i i've, I've really started you know I've, I've well not started i've been doing this for quite a while now um 
you know, focusing a lot on, on my physical exercise, running being the major part of that. And, uh, right now I, 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 I do about four miles a day, um, about, about five or six days a week. Uh, I usually don't run on Sundays. Sometimes I take one of the day, one of the weekdays off like a Wednesday or something and I lift instead or something like that. I usually still do something on that day, but, um, I usually lift or, or do some, you know, something else. But, uh, you know, I've done like stationary bike or an elliptical. I don't really like elliptical, but I've done that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I run. And so when I started having these, these ankle issues, oh, it was driving me nuts. I couldn't do my running. Couldn't, you couldn't, you know, not only get the back muscles loosened up, but help, you know, work out the brain fog and things like that. And so, um, it was, it was really, I guess it was, I don't know. It was pissing me off not being able to like having this foot pain. And so I was trying to figure out what was going on. And so, um, my, my mom, I was telling her about it actually. And she said, maybe it's your shoes. Right. And I kept thinking, eh, eh no way, no way. It's not my shoes. I have good shoes. I've had, I have good running shoes. I've had them for years, years and years. I've had these shoes. Right. Well, today, you know, I thought maybe, maybe it is my shoes. All right. I've had them for years. Sometimes they say, oh, you know, running shoes, you get about 300 miles into them and they need, you need new ones. Right. You wore them out. You wear them down. You wear them down. So I went to the shoe store, the a specific shoe store for, for running shoes. And, uh, I grabbed a new pair did like this cool thing where they put your feet in this like machine and they kind of like has like 18 cameras in a circle and it like measures your feet and shows you all your pressure points and stuff. And, um, you know, I checked that out and did that. And this really nice lady helped me, um, you know, find a good pair of shoes that I, that I would enjoy. And so, you know, I tried on like five or six different pairs, grabbed a new set, went running and didn't have any pain. So if you're having feet pain, if you're having any kind of pain in your ankles, your feet, look at your shoes. What's going on with your shoes? Are they old? Do you have inserts? Are they pieces of shit? What's going on with your shoes? Right? You got you to look at your shoes. I, I had no idea, no idea that it was this important. No idea. Now, granted, I have done one day of new shoes, and so I'm still breaking these ones in. There's new pressure points in these shoes. There's new, you know, they sit on my feet a little different than the last ones, and so I kind of got to get used to that. But the fact that there was no pain after four miles, and I almost set a new record running in them today, um, not distance, but just like per mile um, average. And yeah, it's, it, I don't know, it blew my mind blew my mind that uh that uh that shoes could have such an impact on just uh, just running i don't know you wouldn't think so i always think like <laughs> indians ran through the freaking woods with bare feet and pioneers walked across the plains like why can't i just run and have no pain but you know then again those is different it's different i mean <laughs> a lot of people you know a lot of pioneers had massive blisters and foot problems and I mean, diseases, you name it. It wasn't like they were just healthy, happy, not worrying about it, right? So, um, what's going on with your shoes? You know, you gotta, you gotta check that out. You gotta check that out.
you had a thought or have a personal experience with COVID mandates, inclement weather, or new shoes, you can share that with me over in the comments on Substack or over on Twitter. My handle is at Ashleman. That's at C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N. I'd love to know what your takeaways were and what you enjoyed or didn't about this brain dump. Remember, the best way to support the show is by heading over to bedletter.substack.com and subscribing. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone you know. One share really does help me out. The links to everything can be found in the description of this episode. I hope you guys have an awesome week. I'm Christian, this is Bedletter, and I'll see you next time.